exciting. This lookup list. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> well, I don't actually know. I'll come back and let you know if I think it is. Okay. So we are here on Saturday, March 18th, recording the episode 14 lookup list, which is which is part two of the Katie Sepich murder story. We covered a lot of um, your lookup list, like from your doodly notebook mm-hmm. in, in part one. So I went back and listened to part two to try and find maybe some things that we that we could cover in this. Um, I found a couple. Well, it's interesting because I don't imagine that there was nothing I wanted to look up in the second half. Maybe I kind of totally. got a little like sleepy or droopy eyed or something yeah. Yeah. if I only took things from the first totally. part. And that's fair because these generally the episodes are when we publish them, they're about an hour usually. But when we record them, they're two hours. So we edit, you know, like it, it takes a while. So it makes sense that you might be kind of or maybe you know, the fatigued. story was so intriguing that you you were I mean, hanging it, on my every word. Maybe yeah, they're all intriguing. But yeah, maybe I maybe my pen ran out of ink. I can't there recall. That could be it. So before we talk about some of the um, lookup list things that I. Uh, and some of these you did write down, okay. but some of them I also went back and listened to and found like questions that you asked where I was like, I don't know. Hmm. Um, I wanted to, we wanted to do an update on another case. Um, and this, well, first of all, in the, in episode 14, we were talking about serial killers. Remember we did serial killer trivia in the beginning? Yeah, the look up or the bonus the, episode. No, oh, no it was the, just the episode episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you had said, um, I had said, I don't think we ever did a serial killer. And you said, well, the the guy who murdered the two Tucson girls, which now we know that is considered that does, a serial yeah. killer, two or more people. Yeah. Um, and I had called him. I had said David Clements. I don't know why his name was Christopher Clements oh. actually. So that was just a correction. But that inspired me to look up what has been going on because. His trial for Maribel was last year, and he was convicted. Um, Which was still many years later. Many years after her death, yes, Ugh. yes. Yeah. Um, but then his trial for Isabel was just, uh, it began on February 14th of this year, so like oh, last month. Right. And um, so I found, I have some updates on that. So ultimately, and unfortunately, <coughs> The judge declared a mistrial in the Christopher Clements murder kidnapping trial of um, Isabel Salas because the jurors could not come to a um, unanimous decision. And many wondered, how is it possible that they didn't convict him? 11 people voted to convict and one voted to acquit. And And that's enough for a mistrial. mm -hmm. 11 to 1 if anyone votes to acquit. Yeah, it has to be unanimous. So News 4 Tucson interviewed four of the former jurors. Uh, They didn't want to be identified, and they also refused to identify the lone juror who voted not guilty. Um, The trial apparently lasted three weeks. When deliberations began, the jurors took a secret vote, and they said that at that point they knew there was one person who wasn't convinced of Christopher Clement's guilt. And they said they also had an, a difficult time getting that one juror to open up when they were like, well, why are you not convinced of his guilt? What not? So they knew. Okay. So at first I was going to ask, like, is it like a 
a silent vote where no juror knows what juror voted uh, to acquit, but it sounds like no. Well, it does say that they took a secret vote, but then it says they had a difficult time getting the juror to open up when they finally knew who the juror was. Hmm. So um, the one juror who caused this to be a mistrial vocalized that they were not operating on the grounds of reasonable doubt. They were operating on the grounds of all doubt. I don't understand what that means, but that's a quote. Um, Other jurors tried to explain the jury instructions per the judge that one juror said, there wasn't enough evidence. I need something like a video that shows the crime in progress, DNA, all that kind of stuff isn't enough. Okay, well, if we had videos of every crime in progress, it would make the jurors unnecessary. Totally, totally. I also wonder if, okay, so it's a mistrial. I've got a lot of questions, but I'll hold them. But here's the one I'm going to put out there is, I imagine it means it will go back to trial at some point. And I imagine, I could be wrong, that there will be new jurors. I'm going to get there. Cool. Yeah. So jurors, so the most of the jurors said that the judge in the state did a great job of explaining that it really was all circumstantial evidence. And it, and it's been a, a few weeks since we did this case. But if you recall, like, um, what can I recall? Let's see. Can I recall? Was he helped? He helped the um, police find, find Maribel's body mm-hmm. or Isabel's body. I can't remember. One of the two. He helped them find Isabel's body. And, but he, while because they were. Because Mar- he was convicted for Maribel first. Just last year. So at the time when he helped them find Isabel's body, he had he was not associated with Maribel's murder at all. But then circumstantial evidence, things that he had on his computer, a note that he told his girlfriend to get rid of that he had written, you know, all. And it was, it was a lot of circumstantial evidence, but very damning circumstantial evidence, if I can recall. Yeah. Um, So, so this is the trial. You're going to have to cut this. Sorry. This is the trial they're going for. You had said Isabel. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure. Yeah. Okay. So, after a day and a half, the juror, yes, because he was convicted for Maribel. Right. Convicted for Maribel. So after a day and a half, the jurors agreed that they couldn't deliberate anymore. So they told the judge they were deadlocked at 11 to convict and one to acquit. Now there will be a second trial on this case. One of the jurors commented, they have to do it again. And that's where I think, and I hope that they can sleep at night because if this one juror had agreed, they wouldn't have to do this again. And they and he feels bad for he or she feels bad for the Sellis family that there was no kind of conclusion to this. Like sure, you know the only conclusion they have. And I think when we were kind of chatting about this the other day, I had said like, yeah, they have the quote unquote conclusion that their daughter, sister, whomever is no longer on this earth. Um, right. And I'm certain that they justice. They want some they, justice. Right. Like they have inclinations of who might. I've done it. Mm. And also, I imagine it's kind of a uh, somewhat helpful or something to to say cathartic guilty. to be like, yeah, this person's guilty going to mm, I would whatever. imagine. Yeah. yeah. So there's been no information so far as to like when that next trial will be. We'll see. But there will be one. There will be one with new jurors. That is correct. I wonder if you can put like a I've never actually done this, so I don't know if this still exists, but like a news alert, a Google alert or something, so you don't have to remember to keep looking it up. I have several Google alerts. Oh, people still do that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So 
I also found some new, well, what do I want to do next? What do I want to do next? Let's do this one because it's really interesting to me. And this was at the beginning. Um, we talked a lot. It was at the beginning of the episode. We talked about serial killers. And then you brought up the serial podcast. And you had said, like, wasn't it about a serial killer? And I said, no. And then you said, is it about the breakfast cereal? Yeah. <laughs> it was the first. I remember I was painting my garage inside my garage. And I hadn't listened. Like, this was four years ago, maybe. And I really didn't listen to podcasts at all. And you had told me about it. And I started listening. I remember liking it. And now I can't remember what it is. So I'm going to I'm going to remind you of what it is. And it's spelled cereal like S E I think I probably asked you that. Yep, yeah. it is. So Serial was a true crime podcast that premiered in 2014. Was created by Sarah Koenig. The first season of the podcast focuses on the case of Adnan Syed, Adnan Syed, I think, who was convicted of murdering his ex-girlfriend Hay Heyman Lee in 1999. Hmm. Over the course of 12 episodes, Koenig, Koenig, it's a hard name for me to say for some reason, Koenig delves deep into the case, exploring the evidence presented at trial and conducting interviews with Syed, his family, and various people involved in the investigation and prosecution of the case. She raises questions about the reliability of key witnesses, inconsistencies in the prosecution's timeline, and the possibility of a motive other than jealousy. So he was convicted, Adnan. Adnan, he was. So and she and she interviewed him maybe from when he was lot. in jail. Oh yeah, oh yeah, a lot. So she knows he was convicted. So she's looking for like more intricacies of like. But he claims his innocence up until this day. So she was looking for ways that like maybe this is wrong. Mm. And so the podcast became um, a cultural phenomenon with millions of listeners anticipating each episode. The case was ultimately reopened and Say- Syed was granted a new trial in 2016, largely due to the popularity and attention brought to the case by the podcast. I mean, it was a huge podcast. Um, and this was at the kind of precipice of when podcasts were really yep. blowing up, right? Yep. Yeah. Yes, it was. So he was granted a new trial in 2016 and his legal team worked to prepare for these proceedings. However, in 2019, the Maryland Court of Appeals reinstated Syed's conviction, effectively reversing the lower court's decision to grant him a new trial. The court's decision was based on the fact that Syed's legal team had not met the burden of proof necessary to prove that his original defense attorney had been ineffective. As a result, Syed remains in prison serving a life sentence for the murder of Heyman Lee. Um, and and even though like the, the, this outcome from the new trial, the case is still a huge topic of debate. Like I said, it became an actual documentary on HBO. Really? What's that called? Also, it, this might be a good time after this to transition into life sentence versus death. The case against Adnan Syed ah. is a do- four-part documentary series from Oscar-nominated director Amy Berg. Where's it playing? HBO. <laughs> cool. Um, so he is still uh, serving a life sentence for the murder of Heyman Lee, and um, despite you know, the popularity of the podcast and the attention brought to the case, his appeals have been unsuccessful and he remains incarcerated, but his case still continues to be the subject of ongoing legal proceedings and public interest. So he was originally jailed in 2014 or, or actually I don't uh, know that. No, before then probably. Yeah. Cause the crime was in 1999. Okay. Yeah. And then they reopened it in 2016. Yeah, exactly. Because of the podcast. Right. 
Did you listen to all of it? I wonder, is it still available? Yes, and I listened to all of it. And there are multiple seasons now of Serial. I think none were as great as the first one. Oh, so is it the same person who picks one... Different cases. ...case mm-hmm. for each season? Yep. And the, I can't remember exactly. I remember one season was about a military guy. Um, they were all good, but this one was... I mean, it was fascinating. It was mm. so, so good. So, so good. I'm going to listen. Yeah, it's really, and really watch. great. Yeah. Um, and that is a perfect lead-in into one of the lookup list questions for this episode, which is why do some people get the death penalty and why do some people get life in prison or a specific amount of years in prison? And of course I could like say in general, yeah, the more maybe, actually, I don't know. I was going to say the more heinous the crime or the more premeditated the crime. Nope. You're right. Could mean things, but also let's say, and maybe this is irrelevant, but if someone basically it's the same two people, two murderers do the same amount of heinousness of a crime uh-huh. and the same amount of or lack thereof of premeditation. And could it be that one gets life in prison and one gets sure I guess that could be the effectiveness of the lawyer? OK, or go the on. Judge or the jury or the state. True. So um, the decision to impose a sentence of life in prison or the death penalty on a convicted murderer is made by a judge or jury during a separate sentencing phase of the trial. So like they have the whole trial found guilty or not guilty, and then they sentence them. Um, And the factors that are taken into account when deciding this vary greatly depending on the jurisdiction and the circumstances of the case. But some common factors are the severity of the crime, the defendant's prior criminal record, the presence of aggravating or mitigating factors and the opinions of the victim's families and the community. Um, In general, the death penalty is considered to be a more severe punishment than life in prison, obviously. And it's typically reserved for the most heinous and egregious crimes, such as first-degree murder. But in recent years, there have been um, growing movements to abolish the death penalty in a lot of states and and several states and, and have already done that. You know, that was going to be a question of mine, which states do or do not, whichever is an easier list, Mm. or which states have abolished the death penalty, I guess. So states without the death penalty include Alaska, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Iowa, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Dakota, Rhode Island, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. Some of the, um, I really, that's a large array. Yeah. Um, Because at first I was going to be like, well, that doesn't surprise me. Colorado and Alaska and Washington, because they tend to err on more of a liberal liberal side of things. But West Virginia, New Mexico. um, New York is kind of, although New mm. York's becoming, or not becoming, but yeah, yeah. Cut that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're avoiding, always avoiding politics here. But yeah, so apparently those are the states, which is, so we're in Arizona, death penalty exists. Um, Yeah. So basically there's there's really no um, hard and fast answer to this. There's, you know, it depends on the state. It depends on the judge, the jury, prior criminal convictions. There's a ton of the evidence, the right. all the things, everything, yeah. everything, which I guess. Yeah, I guess we could. I We probably knew that. But yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know if there was anything 
specific. Specific. And I guess the most specific is if the state allows it or allows not. death yeah, penalty. Definitely. And so definitely. I imagine all the states that do allow death penalty, the only way they do it is lethal injection, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Um, so this is also a good lead in now into why does America have so many serial killers? Because, because we said that on one of the other... We said that in the beginning of, of this episode that... Um, America. Yeah, that was one of the trivia questions, like who has the most serial killers or whatever. And America like far surpasses other countries. Well, gun laws, I have to imagine, plays a part. Okay, what else do you think? I'm interested, actually, because I know now. Well, I know based I know based on some of the research that well, I've sure. done. I don't think um, there's like a definitive answer. Gun laws, although I'm not familiar with all the gun laws in all the other countries, but gun laws, mm-hmm. uh, population, maybe we are more populous of a country than many others. Okay. Um, uh, we have, a, I don't want to say, a, I don't want to say this, uh, we have more money to put into the police department to identify people, you're murderers. On the right, you're on the right track. Something there. like that. That's yeah. what I got. More access to weapons which i guess is gun laws or just more weapons period in this country i don't know you're not far off so i found um an article where um dr mike emote emote a forensic psychology professor at radford uh was interviewed and he had some interesting insight into why the united states has more serial killers than any other country And so initially they asked him about his research on serial killers and he said that we found over 5,000 people so far around the world who were confirmed serial killers and who committed two or more homicides on two or more separate occasions Um, and looked at, and so his research included looking at these people in terms of race, gender, the methods and the country where they committed the murders. Um, So then the interviewer asked, you found that the U.S. produces the most serial killers. Why is that? And his theory is that the U.S. doesn't really have a disproportionate number of serial killers. Instead, it's just much easier to find serial killers here in the U.S. than it is in other countries. First of all, because law enforcement has to discover the murders and link them back to the same killer, which means you need competent law enforcement agencies, which the U.S. has. The second part of being able to track serial killers is once the killer is identified, it has to be announced by law enforcement and made available in prison records and be made available to the public. Um, In the United States, we have a much more open record system than other countries. So if the U.S. has a higher murder rate than the rest of the world, he is likely to believe that it's that he would be more likely to believe that we have more serial killers, but compared to other countries in terms of the murder rate, we're right around the middle. Mm. Um, so, so I think that what you're saying is true. Like we have a, a more, um, competent and that sounds rude to say, but well, I wrote that down because I was going to say, I think, well, I have no idea what that bro means, but to me, that means like, it's, it's, it doesn't mean, and maybe we do, I don't know, but other countries probably have competent. Cause to me, that means, um, capable, intelligent, yeah, yeah. Uh, knowing in the field, yeah. but we throw more money and resources at our, our police departments. So they, and forensic thus, investigations, yeah, so thus they Absolutely. are quote unquote more competent with what they have access to. Right. Yeah. I mean, so to me that basically says that we don't necessarily have more serial killers. We have more serial killers that have been caught and Found. identified. Yeah. yeah. And that's really the bottom line. And that makes sense to me. Totally. Yeah. So... 
The next question was the type of truck that Gabriel Avia, Avila, Avia. I think I said it wrong in the episode. What did you say in the episode? I think I said Avila, and I think it's Avia. Avia. Yeah. Um, and was this because also like a side thing of when I asked about the tire treads? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I will be completely honest. I I never found that information in the when I researched the episode, and then in looking it up again, specifically looking for the type of truck, I couldn't find it. Huh. But then I went to my trusty friend that I rely on constantly, ChatGPT. Oh. And I said, do you know the type of truck that Gabriel Avia was driving after he murdered Katie Sepich in um, Las Cruces? Doesn't that freak you out? I love it. And it freak like, why isn't that available on the internet? Why does AI know that? I don't know. So, and, and so I say that because... Sometimes I think that AI gets it wrong. So I don't want totally. this to be taken yep. as like fact, 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 fact. This is your fact finding and this is the best you but can find. But this is the best I could find. So yeah. I typed that in and, and chat GPT said, yes, Gabriel Avia drove a red pickup truck when he was involved in the murder of Katie Sepich in Las Cruces, New Mexico. According to reports, the truck was a 1986 Toyota pickup with a white camper shell on the back. The truck was a was later found abandoned near the scene of the crime, and it was a key piece of evidence in the investigation that ultimately led to Avia's arrest and conviction. So why this made me think, like, is this true? Is because I don't think that the truck was found abandoned near the scene of the crime. I think the truck, I think, what? not I think, I know, what he did is he sold the truck, got rid of it, and police traced that sale and were, were able to get the truck back. Maybe the second degree... That's the wrong word. The person who bought it from, uh, what's his Gabriel. name? Gabriel. Gabriel Avia. Maybe they abandoned it somewhere? Maybe. I don't know. I don't also, know. I'm not saying like, oh, I totally trust AI. Yeah. I, I sometimes I sometimes think that, well, so, it can't be totally reliable, but oh, yeah. that's the best I could find. I couldn't find it anywhere else. It just was a small pickup truck. No make, no model, no nothing. This was the most specific information I could find. Well, and it falls in line with mm-hmm. a smaller or a mid-sized yeah. small pickup truck, yeah. Toyota pickup mm-hmm. truck with a white camper shell. I love that. Don't love you, Gabriel Avia, but right. love your potential <laughs> car. That's like a classic old school car. Right. Ugh. So I found something interesting. I watched a dateline on this whole murder, on Katie's entire murder. And it was called The Girl Who Couldn't Scream. I never really understood the title. I didn't think too deeply into it. I thought maybe it's because she was strangled, something like that. Okay. I really didn't, I didn't question the title. And then today when I was researching this, the, the Gabriel's truck, I came across this article that I hadn't found before. And, and it was called The Girl Who Couldn't Scream. And, and I was reading it and, and it said this. Some found it hard to believe that the attack could have taken place right outside of um, Katie's window because no one heard or saw anything, not even Tracy's mother. Tracy was Katie's roommate. So not even Tracy's mother who was visiting and sleeping inside the house at the time, which I didn't know. We didn't know. I didn't know. We didn't find anything of that before. We knew about roommate, but we didn't know roommate's mom mom was visiting visiting and sleeping there. And then this blew my mind. In interviewing Katie's parents, police discovered that Katie couldn't scream. She could speak normally. She Everything was normal about the way that she could talk, laugh, everything. But there was something 
different, I don't want to say weird, but something about her, her, her voice, her voice box, her vocal cords, her vocal cords were when she would try to scream, nothing would come out. She was unable to actually scream. Wow. See, now we need a whole new look list for all of this. And I'll be totally honest. I didn't look more deeply into it because I was just so taken aback by that. Like I was shocked. Interesting. So interesting. Like why, what causes somebody to not be able to scream? I guess like that. unless it was some, and it doesn't sound although I don't know it doesn't sound like some uh injury she got maybe it's just some genetic mutation thing yep yep huh, interesting yep. I'm gonna look that up on my own lookup list yeah huh mm-hmm. so she could probably whisper she could speak at different volumes she couldn't scream yep and that's why they think that no one heard the attack take place right because She's not screaming. So what's she going to do? Talk normal. Hello, someone is attacking me. Like, wow. Yeah. Which I'd never think, oh, what a, what a terrible thing. Genetic. I'm just going to say it's genetic. I have no idea. Sure. But what a terrible genetic, you know, thing to have where I can't scream. I think, oh, well, if I had to get one, that's one to get. And also, no, not if you're in a place of being kidnapped, murdered. Exactly. Attacked. So I just looked it up. Oh no, is it not as... No, it says Rett syndrome, R-E-T-T, is a rare genetic disorder that affects brain development resulting in severe mental and physical disability. This might not be it. This can't be right. Well, unless there's a lot we don't know about her. What do you type in when you can't scream? Is there a genetic mutation where you can't scream? Maybe it's not genetic though. I just put that on there. Some people might not be able to scream during extremely terrifying or stressful situations because their senses become completely overwhelmed. Um, oh, so that's like a freeze mode, like fight, mm-hmm. flight, or freeze. Or there are also voice disorders where your vocal cords or vocal nerves become paralyzed. Um, they call it laryngitis granuloma. It's interesting that I'm looking up like the, the, you know, the dateline kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they titled their whole thing, The Girl Who Couldn't Scream. I right. understand that's an yeah. interesting, good, not good, big part. But then they don't, and maybe no one knows. No, but that's what I'm saying. Oh, so I'm so glad you said that <clears> because <throat> I watched the dateline thing and at no point did they, they mention this. That's why I, I guess, because I would have remembered that from watching if they were like, oh my God, she had the, she was in, unable to scream. Of course I would have mentioned that or remembered that. They never did in every, in the whole Dateline special that I watched. This was just in a completely random article that I found today when I searched up what truck was G- Gabriel Avia driving. But it's like they named the Dateline. Right. So how could they not mention and it? And I'm reading like the different articles, Dateline articles. Yeah. Nothing. No, nothing. Yeah. It's super so weird. Odd. So I thought that was an interesting, so we don't really have an answer. If anybody listening knows what might cause somebody to lose the ability to scream, um, please let us know because I'm not finding much on it. Hmm. Yeah. It's very interesting. So the next interesting piece that was not on the lookup list, but I did come across this today is I found the actual transcripts Mm. from the police interview with Gabriel and there's 65 pages. So... I'm not going to read all of it, but I wanted to like just, you know, jump through some of it and read a few parts. Do it. Um, Okay. 
Well, it starts off with the two police officers saying, how are you doing, bud? How's it going? How you doing, my man? My name is Mark Myers. I work with the city police here in Las Cruces. This is Ricky Madrid. How are you? And it, it's inaudible, it says, that Gabriel says, um, some things inaudible and then all these transports. They say, yeah, all these transports. I'm compu- confused. I don't know. I'm all right, though. And then he says, so you guys are not ICE? And the police officer says, no, no, no. And Gabriel says, because that's what I was told. And the police officer says that you're here for an ICE hearing or, Hmm. and Gabriel says, yeah. And the police officer says, and you may very well be. I mean, we called early this morning to kind of find out where you were. And they said you were here. And so we thought, let's go talk to him. Does that sound fair enough? So is Gabriel undocumented? I don't know. Okay. So then, um, the police officer says, how long have you been inside? And Gabriel says, since July 2005. And the police officer says, since July. Okay. And just so we can get some of the biographical information out of the way, can you just tell us what's your full name? Gabriel Avia. And what's your date of birth? They cross that out. That hmm. was blacked out. Oh, I wonder why. Social Security blacked out, oh. obviously. And before you got locked up, where did you live? In Las Cruces. Do you remember the address of where you lived? 1947 Defiance Road. And did you have a phone at the time? And he gives his phone number. He says, and did you work? And he said, yeah. Who'd you work for? Ross and Builders and Sons. And he was a welder for them. Mm. And then he said, and then the police officer says, and like I said, we've been conducting this investigation for quite some time now. We've come a long way with it. We've got a lot of evidence. And I'd like to talk to you about all of that and get your side of the story if you're willing to talk with us. And Gabriel says, I don't know what investigation the police officer says, well, I'll explain everything to you, man. I just need to. And then Gabriel says, okay, sure. He says, I just need to see if you're willing to talk to us and kind of go over it. When they arrested you the last time, did you, did they go over your Miranda warning with you? Read you your rights? Um, and Gabriel says, sure. Um, Gabriel says, just one question. Am I, am I being arrested or, or re-arrested? And the police officer says, no, right now for our purposes, this is an investigation. Obviously, you're in prison, but you're doing fine and you're not under arrest. Uh, When we conclude this information today, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Okay, here's the arrest warrant. You know what I'm saying? We're going to talk. We're going to see what your side of the story is, how that fits into our investigation. And then any charging decisions are going to be made much further down the road. And Gabriel says, okay, I guess. I don't really understand, but okay. And the police officer says, what's this? In, uh, uh, well, what don't you understand? And he says, what, what is this investigation about? And the police officer said, we'll get to that. I mean, you understand the procedure. Like you understand that I'm not arresting or rearresting you on new charges. We're just talking. So then a little bit further down, he goes, so specifically what we're looking into is a homicide that occurred in August of 2003, about two and a half months before you got into trouble for what you're in here for today, okay? Gabriel says, yeah. And he says, and I think probably we both know sitting here today that you might have had something to do with it. And that's why you're here, man. All all we're trying to do is get your side of the story. I mean, we have, you can see books full of information and physical evidence. It's fairly indisputable indisputable physical evidence that at least tells us you had some part to play in this homicide. 
And I'm going to share that with you if you're up for it. And Gabriel says, wait, shouldn't I? I don't know. The police officer cuts him off and goes into a whole spiel. Um, He says, were you around uh, Las Cruces in 2003? And Gabriel says, here in Las Cruces? Yeah, in Las Cruces. And he says, yeah, yeah, I was. And said, were you still living at that address on Defiance Road? He said, yeah. Um, Defiance Road. Mm. And the police officer says, were there any major stresses or anything going on with your life at that time? He says, uh, no, I mean, I'm fine. I was fine. I was getting along with my wife. Just regular, typical problems that couples face, I guess. Um, asks him how work was at the time. He says it was okay. Friends, friends were fine. Um, what about mental health-wise? Which I guess all those things can impact mental health, impact mental health, regardless mm-hmm. of your job, your wife, your friends. Like, just how are you doing? I'm chewing as I'm saying that. <laughs> so I'm skipping ahead a lot, but uh, the police officer says, just tell us the truth. Just tell us the truth. And Gabriel says, I mean, you guys are saying you have hard evidence and indisputable evidence. Um, and I already feel like I'm in deep trouble, you know, and anything I say and I've experienced and it's going to get me in deeper and deeper trouble. Well, yeah, isn't he asking for a lawyer at this point? I mean, he's no. already in jail no. for what? The other stuff, right? Um, uh, armed robbery, yeah. burglary, yeah. It's interesting that he, you know, he's in the system. Like, he's been in jail, prison, whatever. I'm surprised he's not asking for a lawyer. At some point he says, well, if you want a true, honest answer, I didn't I didn't kill nobody. And I can tell you that from, from all of my heart, I didn't kill nobody. And he And he says, okay, well, tell us what happened. And Gabriel says, I don't know. And the police officer says, no, you do know because you were there. Okay, so that night, that day, my wife went to Deming to visit her parents, Deming, New Mexico, and I stayed here in Las Cruces because my work permit had expired and I couldn't cross at that checkpoint. There's a lot of checkpoints there. I drove, driven, I drove, drove through Deming when I came out here. it's nearish, you know, the Mexico border. border. Mm-hmm. So she said my wife went by herself. And I stayed here. I went to work. I came back Saturday. I was home all day. I can't remember. I was working in the on the backyard or something like that. And I decided to go to Graham Central Station. And I met this guy there, and he offered me some Coke to snort. So we went to the bathroom and did our thing. And he told me, well, we can get some more. And I told him, I'm going to stay here and wait until we're all done and everything, and then I'll go home. And then he insisted. I was, you know, drinking a little. I was drinking a few beers. And I said, well, all right, let's go. I was following him, and he had a Mustang. It was a silver Mustang. I'm following him all the way to the Mountain View Hospital. And when it looked like he was making the turn to Roadrunner, you know, I put the highlights on and I told him, hey, where are, you, where are we going? You know, I'm already past my house. I told him I thought it was going to be close. He said, no, it's just a few, a little bit further. It's just right around here. So I kept following him and I don't remember exactly where he stopped. And I stopped right behind him and he said, just hold on. And I said, oh, right, okay. And then he went in and he went, out and that's when I told him what's up and he's like well they don't have it here just hold on just chill I'm about to go and he tells me don't go don't go you know we'll we'll bring some people we'll have a party just chill let me go get them I said all right you see I never partied much before I met my wife in Juarez you know we gone to the club and things like that but I wasn't like a hard partier so anyways I tell him all right bro sure you know let's party he's gonna bring some more people whatever 
and something to snort. He went and got in his car and took off and came back with this girl and she was wasted, like really wasted. And he told me, come here. And he said, so what's up? Do you got it? And he's like, I asked him, do you got it? And he's like, yeah. So we did it on top of the dashboard of his car. We snorted the Coke and she was a really pretty chick. Is this Katie? I think so. Wow, this is a whole nother angle. <clears throat> yeah. And I said, are any more people coming? And he said, no more people are, are coming. I said, I want to leave. Let's go already. I'm going to go. And he said, no, no, no. You can have sex with her if you want. She's super wasted. And I was high, so I did. I had sex with her. But she didn't know anything was happening. She didn't know anything about it. She was just wasted in the back of the car and had no idea. And anyways, the next thing he goes, well, I don't know this girl. You know, I just picked her up. And I said, what do you mean? You just picked her up. There's nobody around this neighborhood. It's very quiet. He said, I just did. I just picked her up. And I said, I don't know what to do. And he told me that what he was going to do. And I said, I don't know. I don't know how. This is crazy. So he gets her in the back of the car and he strangled her. And I was shaking. And he told me, let's go. And I said, where? And he said, let's put her in the back of your truck. And I said, man, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I don't want to do that. And he's like, let's go, dude. Let's go. And then he pulled a gun on me. And he tells me, give me your wallet. And then he takes my driver's license and writes it down and writes out everything. So I know he knows where I live. So we put the girl in the back of my truck. And he told me where to go. And we drive way out in the desert and dump her. And then I got in the truck and told him, let's go. And he's like, no, hold on, hold on. And then he lit her on fire. And then I dropped him off. And he told me, if you say something about this. And then it was inaudible. And then he says, and that's why I'm concerned. Whoa. Also, that doesn't mean that's what really happened. He could just be totally trying to get out of what he did. Yeah, but it's totally different than like what was said. Well, yeah, it's a totally different lead up. Mm. And also... A part of me thinks, well, it doesn't matter what I think, because that could be totally true, totally false, or somewhere in between, right? He could just be trying to say it was someone else forcing me to do it because I was scared because he took my my home yeah. address. Actually, now that I'm looking further, it sounds like he did because the police said, did he have sex with her? And Gabriel says, no, he didn't. And they're like, then well, why, why would he be worried about anything? Why would he want to kill her? And Gabriel says, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's so, but it is, it's interesting to hear his account, whether how false it is or not, his account of either what he thinks happened, what happened, or what he wants them to think happened. Yeah. And realistically, it is, like I said, it's 65 pages. There's a lot of information in here. I will um, put the link to this in the show notes for this bonus episode so that people can go and look at it themselves because truthfully... I haven't even read through the whole entire thing. It's a little bit crazy. Um, but I thought it was really interesting to be able to read that actual account. So, Well, I also think I wonder when, because he was already in jail for other stuff. Yes. And then when did he find out? You don't have to answer this. I'm just like kind of thinking out loud. Mm-hmm. When did he find out that he was g- potentially um, a suspect in this crime? And how long did he have to either sort out his actual memory or sort out a story that he wanted to tell the interview the police that interviewed him and and none of it matters really but it just yeah that's it that's odd also the when you said um the guy said put her in the back of your truck i thought oh well he probably did have that uh camper shell shell. yeah because you wouldn't 
just throw someone in the back a body of, in the back of your truck? truck Probably bed? not. I don't I mean, know. Maybe. maybe. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, if you're willing to kill somebody, yeah, maybe it doesn't you are. matter. I guess. Um, so I'll link that up so that other people, instead of me just reading the whole thing, because it, it is a little bit rough to read, uh, people can go check it out. It's it is super interesting. And the very last thing we have to talk about is you mentioned in the episode we I mentioned something about serial killers in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which brought you to Camp Echo, um, where you went to camp as a kid in in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And you actually didn't say this in the episode. You talked oh. about Zach Guilford. Yeah, we both talked about him a fair amount, but at no point. And you said like you thought he was so cute and this and that, but at no point did we mention in the actual episode that he was your camp counselor. Yeah, not he was mine. not a camper. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought I did. He Mm -hmm. was a camp counselor. Like, granted, okay, so what, I was 11, 12. I probably was 11, 12, 13. A couple years, three years, two years I went there. And he was probably 17, 18. Right. So, like, at the time, whoa, so much older. Yeah. (laughs) Not my particular, because it was sleepover camp. Right. Girl counselor. I am a female. I was a female. (laughs) But, yes, we interacted. He did, like, the, I want to say the, like, uh, jet ski activities and the so you know funny. all the shit i should i gotta find, find the photo pro- yeah, yeah i think i if i still have it i think i know where it is yeah i would love to see it so um so somebody posted on twitter and her name is lena and i'm gonna say her last name wrong lena blitz or bleats i'm not sure it's at L-E-N-A-B-L-I-T-Z. And she is a um, reporter in Wisconsin for WBAY News. Uh, She's from Austin, though, apparently. Hmm. And so she tweeted something. And I'll be honest, I'm really not like, there's so much social media. I do my best to keep up with Instagram. That's hard enough. So Twitter is, I don't do much on it. It's down the line. Yeah. (laughs) But she had tweeted something the other day. And so she's like verified on Twitter, which this sounds so cringy to say this. But, you know, you're like, oh, it's somebody who's like famous or important or something. Yeah. What does that mean to be verified? Like the blue check on Instagram? It means you have a certain number of followers and you've done something? It actually doesn't. Oh, what does it mean? I thought that I thought you had to have 10,000 followers to be verified. But um, somebody I used to work with is friends with somebody at Instagram. And so he got my old company verified and we only have like or the company only has like 1900 followers or something and so I said oh my gosh can you help me get um, daddy issues podcast verified with Joe and Oliver and we have like almost 10,000 followers Mm -hmm. and he said it has nothing to do with followers it's actually how much press is out there about you so how many articles and actual like press information is out there about you so I sent him like all these links about Joan Oliver he said yeah this is all about Joan Oliver there needs to be more on the actual podcast Hmm. I was like all right we'll work on that and then we so we couldn't but for Cavalry there's a ton of press articles for every new podcast every new movie every new everything so they got verified anyways it's I, I feel like that's a cringy thing to give a shit about like oh you're verified or you're not verified it really doesn't matter either way she's verified she's obviously a popular reporter in um wisconsin and i was super i'm excited to learn about anybody who listens to the podcast and i never go on twitter so when i went on randomly the other day and i saw that she had tweeted just randomly something and this is what she said the host of 
of Death by Southwest talked about the their love for Zach Guilford, and they don't even mention Matt Saracen. And frankly, I'm appalled. And I saw this and I was like, who the fuck is Matt Saracen? And I wrote back to her and I was like, don't like annihilate me for this. But like, I don't know who you're talking about. And she sent back like a Friday Night Lights gif. And so then I Googled Matt Saracen and came to realize that Zach Guilford played the character of Matt Saracen on Friday Night Lights. He was a high school student in the small town of Dillon, Texas. Football player. And the starting quarterback for the Dillon Panthers football team. Um, Apparently at the beginning of the series, he was shy and introverted with a love for art and music that set him apart from the typical football players in his town. However, when the team's starting quarterback was injured, he was thrust into the spotlight and had to learn how to navigate the pressures of being the team's leader. And over the course of the series, he undergoes a significant transformation as he learns to become more confident and assertive on the on and off the football field. Um, and so I, I've never watched Friday Night Lights. She was shocked. I had, The first time I looked at a TV and I said, I met that guy at overnight camp was huh. when I caught Friday night lights. I didn't want, you know, I've seen an episode here or there right. years ago. Um, but I just looked up Zach Guilford and camp echo just to not confirm, but just to see what came up. But the first thing it said is Zachary Michael Guilford is an American actor known for his role as Matt Saracen on NBC sports <laughs> drama series, Friday night lights. But then yeah. it says, um, so it says, yeah, he graduated from, uh, Evanston Township High School and Northwestern. He worked as a trip leader for Adventures Cross Country and has led a lot of wire wilderness and adventure trips for teens in Alaska, British Columbia, California, Hawaii, and also worked as a staff member for YMCA Camp Echo in Fremont, Michigan. Cool. Yeah. That I really hope you find that picture. You gotta look for it. That'd I know the super, shirt I was wearing in it too. Be super cool to post that. Yeah. Super funny. Because truthfully, and I think I cut this out of the episode. But I think what I had said is like, I wouldn't have known him by name, but I would have he's known been, him by face. Yeah, he's, he's been, been in a, a fair lot of stuff. stuff. Friday Night Lights was huge. It was not something that I watched. I am going, and I said this to this woman on Twitter. I said like, okay, we're going to start watching it. Yeah. I haven't yet, but I am going to start watching it because I heard it's great. And you know who my favorite people are? Um, the the coach in that is Kyle Chandler. Yeah. Who's from Bloodline. Yep. I love him. Yep. And then Connie Breton. Yep. Amazing. So, who's also in Dear Edward? Who's also in Nashville with Oliver Hudson? Who's also in White Lotus? Who's also in American Horror Story? And she was in something else I saw very recently, but I can't recall. She's in so much stuff. She's She's great. great. Yeah, I really like her. So beautiful. Yeah, she is. She sure is. Oh, oh no, I'm thinking Dear Edward. I like her a lot. Um, he's also in uh, Midnight Club, which I couldn't really jive into yeah me too but before that he was in good we i know we good said girl. this but i'm just yeah. reminding myself yeah, yeah good girl and then good girls mo- good bad girl oh good girls <laughs> bad i was gonna say bad moms <laughs> um well the good girl is one of my favorite movies and you can't watch it on streaming because it's so old which makes me feel very old good but girl. it's jennifer aniston and jake gyllenhaal it's yeah, I've such seen a it. they both it? work at this like crappy like Walmart type store in the middle of nowhere. She's very unhappily married to John oh, yeah. C. Riley. She, he the, does she work then, at like a makeup counter there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's such well, a great movie. I can't find oh, it. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's excellent. It was, it was one of my 
favorite movies. Can't find it. I had I had the VHS of it, or I had. Really? It's yeah. that old? Yeah. Oh. I'm that old. Jake Gyllenhaal, I think, was like 17 or something. Oh. Yeah. Excellent movie. Anyways, so I responded to this Lena... Blitz or Bleats? I imagine it's Blitz. I I mean, it's spelled like Blitz. I apologize for butchering it. Um, And said, you know, we're going to watch it. We're going to start watching it. Thank you so much for commenting. And thank you so much for listening to the show. And she said, and I said, I'm going to watch it because I love Connie Breton and uh, Zach Guilford. And she wrote back and she sent this picture. And I'll post this uh, because she posted it. So I'm assuming it's fine. Of her cats. And she said, oh, then y'all will have to meet my sons, Tim Riggins and Six. Who are they? And I was like, okay, must be a this has to be Friday another Night Friday Night Lights reference. So I looked it up. Tim Riggins is um, another character played by Taylor Kitsch. Oh, on Friday Night Lights. On Friday Night yeah. Lights, the long hair guy. Yes, yep. the long hair guy is Tim Riggins, and then six is it's either what Zach Guilford calls him or it's his maybe that's his for number, him, something like that. Maybe it's a number. number, something like yeah. that. But um, so, so anyways, for people who are listening and haven't seen the Instagram, she sent a picture of her oh. very adorable cats that I will post. And um, I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting. I, it's really cool to to just hear somebody make a comment like they listened. They don't know us. They don't care. But they listened and are like that kind of um, inspired to actually tweet something. Yeah. Like. Wow, they talked about Zach Gelford, but didn't talk about Friday Night Lights. And Whether like, it's fair our point. fuck up or not, right. it's still cool. Yeah, yeah it's we great. appreciate that. Yeah, I get excited whenever I, I hear from somebody saying I'm listening. And and truthfully, I have a, a handful of Instagram DMs that I have to get back to um, because there's one. I think her name is AZ Girl on the Go, and she wrote. She's the one who wrote and said like her and some of her coworkers and her eyelash lady all listen to the show. Mm. And I had said to her like, we should do like a cocktail meetup, mm-hmm. like a Death by Southwest cocktail meetup. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm super into that. We should totally do that. And I, I see, I can see that she's sent um, more recent messages that I need to read and respond to. But and Sean, our our human GPS, has mm. also sent messages I have not looked at yet. So. I'm going to get to all of those tonight or tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but we, we really do. Like, it is very exciting for us to hear people listening and commenting and having any kind of feedback, good, bad, indifferent. So I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. So that is um, that is a lookup list. I will link the transcript in the notes. And um, I will post this picture of Lena... Blitz, Blitz, um, her cats. Kitties, yeah, yeah, her kitties, super cute. And uh, and this is probably not going to come out until tomorrow on Sunday because I probably won't get it edited tonight. But thank you guys so much for listening. Anything else that I'm missing? We're going to watch Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Let's put it on right now while yeah. we finish our little cocktail. Yeah, we're going to totally do that. Uh, thank you guys for listening and tune in Monday we have a brand new episode that takes place in a place that we haven't covered yet so it takes place in Colorado I was gonna be all where but I (laughs) already know where okay yeah Um, all right cool uh you guys have a good weekend we'll see you Monday bye happy Saturday bye bye bye